0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Good afternoon to everyone. Thank you for joining me today. We are going to have a very interesting and very important program today. I have a special guest on here that's named James Hyde. And James was actually referred to me as a guest by my good friend, Emil Imani, who has been on the show about three or four times now, and uh, he works with Emil. And so, James, uh, tell my listening audience something about your, yourself and your uh, history.
2: Certainly, by all means. Uh, I do work with Emil, and I am an analyst with him. I've been uh, an investigative journalist for the last 32 years. I hand have written for a wide range of different publications, two syndicated columns, and served as managing editor of three magazines, and got really interested in national security after the 1993 attack on the World Trade Center. That was a wake-up call for me, and um, I dove into what was going on with... The ideology of Islam, and wound up becoming somewhat of an expert on the threat of an EMP, which is an electromagnetic pulse device uh, that can essentially uh, take out the electric grid and anything electronic. So that's where I'm where I'm coming from today.
1: Uh, this is a very important topic, as I said, and interestingly enough, it's rather ironic because of the fact that I'm currently working on a new novel, uh, and uh, it deals with the aftermath of an EMP attack. So I've been researching this myself, but I'm certainly not the expert you are. And uh, tell the listening audience a little bit more about how an EMP attack could occur. Uh, where does it come from?
2: Absolutely. There are a number of different ways that it can be done. Uh, It can be done if you were to have, for example, three freighters uh, off the east coast of the United States, in the Gulf Coast, and off the west coast. In the United States, there are three electric grids. You have the eastern interconnection, the western interconnection, and the Texas interconnection. The eastern interconnection provides approximately 75% of the nation's power. So if just that were taken out, it would create a major crisis. The reason you would need three freighters is that you would have on board those freighters three rocket launchers with nuclear missiles that would be shot into what's called our exo atmosphere anywhere from twenty five to three hundred miles above the center of the country and when they are detonated they send out three electromagnetic pulse waves milliseconds apart the e1 wave is the most powerful and what it does is that it hits the atmosphere and knocks the electrons out of molecules in the atmosphere and sends down an enormous amount of electrical energy which runs through our electric lines overloads our transformers and basically shuts down automobiles made after 1990 some say after 1974 uh and anything electronic computers iPads iPhones iWatches whatever And it would basically, if that were to occur, it would send us back into the 19th century. Uh, More recently, that has been one scenario, and that was in the book One Second After, which I recommend to your readers. It's an excellent book, uh, and it gives a pretty good idea of what it's going to entail afterwards. And I'm glad to hear that you're writing about the aftermath, because that is the most dangerous part. EMP waves will not hurt anybody. Uh, you won't even know uh, that they're hitting the earth at the time, except that you'll start seeing lights go out, and your watch may not work anymore, your car may not work. Uh, and what happens in the aftermath is that we have in our electric system huge transformers. They weigh 900 tons and they are in our substations and the problem is that we have very few spare transformers and they are no longer manufactured in the united states they are now manufactured in germany and south korea which presents us with real really serious problems because in addition to not being able to operate a vehicle those particular transformers when they arrive here require a truck with at least 36 tires to get them to wherever they are needed so if trucks aren't performing properly and you can't get gasoline because you need the gasoline pump to get it out it would be very very difficult to uh, replace our transformers the electric charge would go through the electric lines taking out everything and then it would hit the transformers and it would either overload those or it would make them explode they'd all have to be replaced and in order to do that it would to build one transformer just one it takes between a year and eighteen months and costs between five and ten million dollars to make and that doesn't include shipping them over here So that's the great fear. The second way that we can be attacked is very relevant to what North Korea has just done. They now have two satellites that go over our country. As you may know, they recently tested what they declared was a hydrogen bomb, and what they did was, uh, and this is interesting, they've been working very closely with Iran, and it may well be that the device tested was actually built by Iran, which obviously cannot test their bombs in the Middle East because they'd be detected immediately. Uh, and we do know that there is a base where Iranian Specialists have been placed in North Korea, just south of the uh, China border. And the head of the Iranian uh, nuclear program is a man by the name of Moshe Fakhrizadeh. And he has been present at all of the prior uh, nuclear tests that have been conducted in South Korea. What we suspect is happening is that they are moving equipment, their technology, et cetera, to this base, where we're seeing a lot of buildings being built. Uh, And so they may be very closely coordinating with the North Koreans. While we tested the air, Using airplanes to go off the South Korea, the North Korean coast to see whether or not it really was a hydrogen weapon. The first indications were that it was not, but further tests indicated that there was some evidence that it might be. What's important to understand is that what they're trying to build is not a nuclear weapon because they know even if they fire nuclear weapons on us, they do not have anywhere enough to cause enough damage, and they know that we would bomb them back into the Stone Age if they did. However, if they are working on an EMP device, that particular device can be built as a hydrogen bomb, which has very low yields on... The radioactive aspect, with very high yield on gamma rays. The ga- and they can put that in a satellite, fly it over the center of our country at 300 miles above the surface, and detonate it there. And that would be far more devastating than if they were to fire three nuclear weapons, simply because a, a hydrogen bomb is a thousand times. Uh, stronger than a regular nuclear bomb. So as a result, we're very nervous about what's going on. They've fired two of these satellites up there. We have tested them. They are not emitting any information. They're supposed to be Earth satellites, according to Kim Jong-un. And they are essentially boxes that weigh about 220 pounds. The good news is that while they got both into orbit, both of them are tumbling. They cannot be controlled. And in order to send an EMP device down, they would have to open the bottom of that box to detonate it to force the gamma rays down towards the center of the United States. If this were to happen, obviously everything gets taken out. I would expect too that part of the Canadian and Mexican grids would be taken out as well. And we would literally be in in the worst possible case scenario. Uh probably at first people would think, Hey, you know, this is the lights are out, they'll come back on, not a major problem. However, uh, you would find that there would be, by the second day, a great deal of looting, people breaking into grocery stores, trying to take as much food as they can if they haven't prepared. Uh, and one of the major, the, the major impact of this bottom line is that within a period of a year, The government estimates that we would lose 90% of our population if we were to suffer that kind of an EMP attack. Much of that would occur fairly early on. Human beings can survive for only three days without water. If you've ever had a hangover, you have some kind of an idea about how you'd be feeling on days two and three because alcohol causes dehydration and that's what makes you feel so poorly. So after three days, that is a real problem. Humans can go without food for up to eight weeks if they are in good shape, but water they definitely need. The real problem will be in the urban and suburban areas where Gangs will form together and basically form mini-armies and go from apartment building to apartment building looking to see whatever they can take by breaking into apartments, etc., and killing, raping, or pillaging in any way they want after a certain period of time. Uh, those who are prepared live out in, in the boonies, more or less. Uh, which is something that my wife and I decided to do, uh, after 9-11. And, uh, we realized that we, we needed to focus on being well away from any major metropolitan area.
1: James, let me interrupt you for, uh, sure,
2: well-means.
1: We'll get back to you in a minute. Sure.
3: The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the US Senate on all but one US Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
2: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
3: Who is or what is USJF? It is a non-profit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama Eligibility Cases, the NDAA Illegal Detention Issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com,
0: the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back, everybody. And, James, let's go on with what you were talking about. You had mentioned before the break that you and your wife were living out of the boonies and you were preparing for this type of attack i've basically been doing the same thing the last few years and uh, how can people prepare themselves to survive this
2: Well, it's essential obvious there there are several different concerns involved here one is uh... where you live and where you can either uh... if you if you buy a vac, if you live in the city or in the suburbs and you can buy a vacation house in the boonies and you have a way to get to it, such as a car built before the nineteen nineties, you can go and uh drive as what's called bug out to your location. Uh most people will not have automobiles. If they have bicycles they'll be able to uh, they'll be able to take a very long ride but it will help them. Uh preparedness involves having plenty of water That's the most important resource. So you need to be able to capture water. You need to be able to uh, sterilize the water so that if you live near a stream, for example, and you want to drink out of it, it's a big mistake. You really need to boil your water uh, before you drink out of it because if you don't, you could get what's called giardia and other types of bacteria that may come from fecal matter upstream if an animal has been there or if there's an animal corpse in the river. And that will cause uh, very serious stomach problems that will further dehydrate you. So water is the most important thing you really want to look at. After that, uh, there are several different ways to go. One. You can spend a great deal of money to buy food that will last for 25 years. It's freeze-dried. There are many sites out there that sell these, but if you want it for a family of four for a year, it's going to set you back about $25,000. Otherwise, what people can do to prepare is uh, use a system where they buy canned goods and Put them in their house, but they check the dates on them. And if one is getting close to expiration, they should use it and then replace it. Canned goods are very good. People who know to can their or uh, yeah, who know to can their own foods or uh, do things like that. But that's very helpful. Smoked foods are excellent. If you can, if you live near an area where you can fish, you can smoke the fish, and that helps to, to preserve it. Uh, you, um, you should be armed. I think that's critically important. If with nothing else, at least a hunting rifle so that you can go out and if you have deer nearby or large game, you can uh, then hunt and, and, and take care of the meat, uh, smoke it to preserve it, uh, turn some of it into jerky and things of that nature. Other things you can do is to go to such places as Costco, where they sell five-gallon buckets of uh, pre-prepared meals. All you need to do is add water, and they can be very good. Uh, we have purchased goods from uh, Mountain House and tested them out, and they are excellent. They're very, very good. They're very nutritious. They last a long time. You can find those at camping stores, you can find them at some gun shops, you can find them on the web certainly and uh, ordering those or going to Costco and buying them there makes a lot of sense. Uh, you want to remember that uh, how many people you have in your family, a lot of the advertising on the web will tell you this is a four-month supply but they don't tell you that that's for one person. So you have to take into account how many people you have, and if you're going to buy from Costco or the web or wherever, you need to calculate that in. You should have some part of your house or an outbuilding that can be stocked. But rule number one is never tell anybody that you are preparing that is the most important thing if they don't know where you live and you tell them you're preparing that's fine but once your neighbors know and once they get hungry enough the human brain once it reaches a desperate level can essentially shut off uh... knowing the difference between right and wrong and more or less go primal and they will do anything to get food if they know that you're prepared and you feel sorry for them, and you hand them a can of food, they will be back with a group of neighbors looking to take your entire supply. So it's very, very important that if you are preparing, you do not tell anybody. If you have neighbors uh, you can talk to about this and you can convince them to prepare, that eliminates a lot of the threat. So it's helpful if you can organize your neighborhood to engage in preparedness to one degree or another. Another thing that is very important is antibiotics. Uh, Unfortunately, all medicine is going to stop being supplied. However, you can go to fish tank sites on the web and buy antibiotics from them. They're exact same as the antibiotics you get in a prescription, but they're supposed to be used for fish. They come in the same dosages, and you can buy it over the web without a prescription and have those. So antibiotics are extremely important to have. You should have antibiotic, triple antibiotic cream. You should have a very complete first aid kit in case anybody gets hurt uh, and that would include going up on the web there are various kinds of first aid kits that are very extensive including sutures and things of that general nature so it's important to protect yourself that way as well there are a, there is a variety of ways that you can prepare your house once the electricity goes out and that takes also some preparation. What you can do, for example, is buy two-by-fours, I'm sorry, uh, plywood, a sheet of plywood, which you would put over uh, the outside of the window so that it fits right in the frame. And you put a rod through that to a metal bar that has a hole in it on the inside of the window. And you screw that on, and they cannot get that board off the window. Um, That's a bit extreme, but you do have to be very careful uh, about anybody finding you with supplies, and uh, we just don't know what FEMA is going to do, how they're going to do things. For a while, FEMA was buying up all of the survival food. And um, I went to one site, for example, just to see if they were selling it, and there was an announcement that FEMA had bought up all of their supplies, so there was a six-week backlog on any orders. Um, So we're not sure exactly what the government could do because the military uh, is not as prepared or protected from an EMP as they should be. And so trying to declare martial law, which of course would happen, and then get the military involved in civilian patrol would be extremely difficult. Again, gasoline would be in very short supply. Uh, some of the vehicles they use probably would not work. Uh, and so we're, we're without protection. You really have to consider yourself as being on your own to your own brothers. And I would strongly recommend having people buy your novel and other novels about EMP, which can be found on Amazon, and learning bushcraft. In case you ever have to leave your house for whatever reason, uh, you need to know how to survive in the wilderness. So you should have a bug-out pack that contains... Uh, roughly about six to ten percent of your body weight but you don't want it to be too heavy so you would take with you a knife duct tape you can buy paracord online and that is enormously helpful because you can do many things with that you can put tarps in there so you can set up tents or you can have tents if you live in a cold area you should have a sleeping bag that is good to 40 below If you live in Idaho, for example, or things of that general nature, so you need to double prepare. One, to do what's called bug-in, and that means staying in your house and protecting your house, or bugging out if you are overrun or if the house were to burn down or anything like that, so that you can get out into the wilderness and be prepared. The other thing you can buy on the web are snares. Uh, and those, while illegal now, obviously would not be illegal if we had no access to anything else. So you can snare anything from a raccoon to a deer. You can buy different types of snares, and that is one way. You find a game trail, and you set up your snare so that the deer have to duck under a branch and into the snare, and you can catch deer that way. So you really have to think about how people lived in the mid-1800s and on and how they survived, and they did quite well. And also, having a book that tells you how to build shelters is enormously important. You'll find that if you have to leave your house, one of the most important things is to make sure that you have shelter as soon as possible and that you have a way to start a fire. Uh, My wife and I strongly recommend a magnesium stick with a striker on the other side. These are very common on the Internet. You should buy several of them. You take a knife and you peel off the magnesium, and then you strike it, and magnesium heats up to uh, is incredibly hot, and it will start a fire for you. The other thing is to buy Bic lighters, cigarette lighters, so that you have those in control. But you should also have at least two knives in case one breaks. And you can also buy saws that you can put into a backpack that would help you to to cut down any branches you might need uh, for fire or anything like that. If you're in an area that has birch trees, birch bark will burn even when it's wet so you can use that as a basis under tinder to get a fire started and then slowly add sticks to that and then ultimately branches and then you have a shelter uh do not do not build a fire in the shelter unless it's big enough and has a hole in the top so the smoke can escape uh, this thought we need to take our second break go right ahead
3: Who is, or what is, USJF? It is a non-profit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama Eligibility Cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Whether
1: cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on America's
2: Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctors' Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
3: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out, and when necessary, Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to
0: America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, James, what you're telling people is just absolutely essential and fascinating, and I want you to continue with, along with that. I mean, I'm an eagle scout. I was <laughs> a scoutmaster for many years, and all four of my sons are eagles. And I'm also a military veteran, so a lot of what you're talking about I already know. But I'm learning a whole lot by listening to you. For example, oh, good. The people, I'm um... glad.
2: That's that's really what I'm in business to do is to inform people what to expect. And I think that's that's the most important aspect of it. If you are going to bug in as a military person, I know that you will relate to this. It is a very good idea to have a shotgun with double uh, double um pellets for your shotgun, and it should be at least a four-shell shotgun so that you're able to defend yourself. If you are in an area that where you think that there might be uh, a roving group of people who might be coming by, you might want to consider if you're allowed to in your state to buy a Uh, an AR-15 with a uh, 30-round magazine. Uh, You can get ammo on the Internet for almost anything. The site that I recommend going to is AmmoSeek.com. You put in the uh, caliber you want, uh, what kind of gun it is, and what specifically you are looking for, and that site goes out and finds all of the sites out there that sell uh, that sell ammunition, and you can pick the price. It gives you prices down the side, so it's an excellent way to buy ammunition. And I think it's very very important uh, to have plenty of ammunition. It's the one problem with it is that it is heavy. And so trying to take it with you if you had to bug out would be somewhat complex. So you would want to make sure that you have at least some rounds in your backpack and, and magazines. Um, I think you'll agree with me that you don't want to fill up magazines ahead of time because it can impact the, the spring and it may not work as well. You might run into a jam. So if you put, uh a few rounds in there and then more rounds later, uh that that's gonna be more helpful. That is a good way to defend yourself as well. Um A K forty sevens for some reason are becoming hot sellers right now. Uh and many gun shops, many gun shows have all sorts of weaponry that you could consider, but guns are important. You should also have a combat knife, at least one. Um, you, you can buy many of these from Kennesaw, which is an outfit I recommend. They have a wonderful website, and they sell really top-notch quality gear, as does Cabela's. They have uh, really, really good stuff, but it is a little bit more expensive. Now, one of the things I wanted to bring up that you don't hear uh, from people, I've read almost all the novels out there, I've listened to all the experts, and one of the things that you don't hear about, and it may be because they're afraid it's going to cause panic, is that nuclear power plants are as dependent on the electric grid as are we. And the nuclear regulatory agency demands that each power plant keep a weak supply of diesel on site for each generator. The problem is the more modern generators may have circuit boards in them that would be fried by an EMP, so they may have to rely on their battery backup, which is not going to last for a long time. We have 62 power, uh, nuclear power plants in this country, some of them with multiple reactors. And many have spent fuel rods that they are unable to get rid of because of various problems that they've had in finding a place to store them. But if they are not constantly cooled, they will burn off the water. In other words, if the water pumps aren't working anymore, they will boil off the water and send radioactivity up into the atmosphere. Even if, it's my understanding that even if a reactor is taken offline, you still have to keep those rods cool by pumping water in there. And if that stops happening, then the rods start to melt down, and hydrogen gas begins to build up at the top of the containment, And that's what we saw with Fukushima when those plants exploded. That was the hydrogen being set off. So in essence, what I've heard some of the real experts say is that roughly we would have 62 Uh Obviously, that gets thrown up into the atmosphere, and maybe one of the reasons why we have not yet been hit with, an EMP, or a cyber attack. Although we do know that Russia and China have hacked into our grid, and Russia has put what may be a Trojan horse in there called dragonfly. That is not now interfering in any way with the electric grid. However, it could be triggered to set off... Logic bombs throughout the system, which would essentially just take the system out. That's another way that we could lose power. And one more way, uh, is a physical attack. You may have heard of the attack on Metcalf, California, which right. happened back in, in 2012. Uh, they still don't know how many people were involved. They think it might be one. But this person had inside knowledge of how that substation worked. They cut the phone line so that when he began shooting at the transformer, the, the utility would not be notified. He severed another security line thinking that that was all he needed to do, but did not know that there was a third security line that would alert the utility. He then spent an hour shooting at uh, the tanks that hold what cools um, the transformers, and that is mineral oil. So he fired on that, and what he did basically was to drain out the coolant. Fortunately, the utility got there in time to be able to reroute the power had they not done that then it is very likely that San Francisco and Silicon Valley would have been out of power for a month or more. So those are the different ways that we can be attacked. The cyber attack is a very scary one. We know ISIS is trying desperately to get in but can't, which is fortunate, and we really need to beef up our cyber defenses. I'm sure we have plenty of cyber offense on our, of our own. Uh, but, but that's a different story. And, and I did want to mention too, that we could lose power to what's called a coronal mass ejection. Uh, back in 1890, the Carrington event occurred. And what that was, was the sun shot out an enormous, uh, flare, solar flare, which was followed by a massive Coronal mass ejection, which is um, which basically heads towards the country, has lots of plasma in it. And what it did was to take out all of the telegraph lines. That was the only technology we had back then. But it caused fires. It some people were electrocuted. It was a very dangerous thing. The problem with it is that until all all of it is spent, as the Earth. Uh, continues to rotate it continues to hit the earth so it may not be just one country it could be multiple countries that are hit by this uh... that would take a major storm and we have just come out of a major solar cycle they occur every eleven years and the twenty second year is usually the one that's the worst and we were just missed uh... in 2012 by a major uh... a major uh... CME that went out into space thank god so that I just wanted to go into those discuss the radioactive aspect of this now if you live out in the country one of the ways you can cut down on radiation exposure and this is really interesting is to grow as many sunflower plants as you can they absorb radiation so you may look like you've got fields of sunflowers all over the place. If it's spring or summer or fall, uh, they will absorb radiation, so that will help to some extent. Um, the, I looked into buying a biochem and radiation suit, and unfortunately they command a price of $7,300 per suit. So if you don't have that kind of money to spend, it's a little impractical. It's very hard to um, protect yourself uh, from radioactive fallout. But if you have a basement, you can uh, certainly cover over the windows with um, cinder block and things of that general nature, and you should be safer because this won't be like an atomic attack. It will just be picked up by the jet stream, and it will flow across the country. Not everybody will be affected by it uh if you don't live near a nuclear power plant, if you don't have one uh within a couple of hundred miles, you should be okay. but that is one thing that very few people mention, and that's that's something you might want to bring up in your book.
1: Well, I appreciate that, but, well, I've got the question for you because uh this is something that I have heard but have not confirmed. And one of the things that I have been told is that if you have electronic devices or if you have battery-operated devices, that they could also be affected by an EMP attack. And that a way to preserve them is to put them in basically what amounts to ammunition boxes, uh, military ammunition boxes, which are, are lead and uh, or steel in some cases, and that this would prevent the electronic pulses from reading, reaching things like a laptop computer or cell phones. Of course, the cell phone towers would be down, so that doesn't really matter. But uh, things like flashlights and walkie-talkies, is that correct? Can that help prevent that?
2: Partly correct. What you can do, and this is really simple, I think all of us may have experienced this. After a certain amount of time, if you have a microwave oven for years, it just goes out on you. you got to go out and buy a new one. Do not throw it out because you can use that as what is called a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage will protect anything and because microwaves were built to keep microwaves from escaping they will not allow the EMP in so we keep our walkie talkies our radios uh, anything like that in an old uh, microwave oven we have in fact we have two so keep them, don't throw them out, they make an excellent place to store things. The other thing you can do is find out what kind of computer runs your car. Go up on eBay and see if anybody is selling that kind of computer. If you buy it new, it's very expensive. But if you buy it on eBay and put it in a microwave, you can replace your car's destroyed computer and be able to drive. So that that's one aspect of it. There are other things in cars you would need to look it up, and you should have a manual of your car so that you know how and where to put certain things. As to an ammo box, it's a great idea,
1: but you to, must feel. Uh, uh, James, we need to yeah. make our, final, our last break. we be back with you in a minute. And,
3: for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
1: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show
0: that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. You're
0: listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: James, before we get back into what you were talking about, about the cars, because I know that's very interesting to a lot of people, including me, uh, is there a website that you have that where people can go and get some of this information?
2: Uh, actually, I don't have one, but you can find a number of websites that first sell the um, the car instructions for your specific vehicle and then once you're able to identify uh... doing some research on the web to find out what kind of computer your car has it, case of, it almost looks like a hard drive it's very uh... very compact it's uh, rectangular and as they say it looks very much like a a hard drive and you can scout around for it uh... if you buy it new it's very expensive if you buy it on ebay uh, you, you probably wind up saving a great deal of money. But that will certainly help you uh, to at least get your car started. You may not have all of the functionality, but you will certainly be able to drive, which is a major way to go. Now, as to your question about the ammo cases, depending on how large they are, um, if they're really large, you can get a, a laptop computer in there. If they're not, you can get other things in there, certainly walkie-talkies and watches. Watches are important. Everybody really should have, if they, they can find one, a wind-up watch to keep track of time because if you have a watch that has any circuit board in it, Casio's is famous for making those kind of watches. They will be taken out by the EMP. So it's a good idea to have a good old wind-up watch that will keep time. Just remember to wind it. Um, now, for, if you're going to put something into a box, it's critically important that you seal with, uh, with metal tape any of the seams around that box and then ground the box so that once the EMP hits it, it just goes right into the ground. It cannot go through the seams that appear when you close the top. That's critically important. You can also take aluminum foil and line a closet if you need to, and then make sure you get metal tape to uh, cover all of the seams, uh, including the door, You have to do the outside of the door to protect it from that. So if you have a lot of things you want to protect, you can do that. Um, That's very important. One point I wanted to go back on in regard to Metcalf. Uh, There are nine critical substations in the entire grid that, if taken out, would take out the grid that's classified. We don't know where they are and we're better off not knowing where they are. But some people feel that the attack on Metcalf may have been a dress rehearsal for some sort of terrorist organization. So Faraday cages can also be built with a wood frame and the same kind of wire that you would use for a guinea pig cage. What you need to do is take that wire, make sure it's it's secure and all of the edges are sealed with metal tape and you ground it. And I've seen this actually done where somebody built this cage, they turned on a radio and then they sent a an EMP like wave into it and the radio continued to work. So there are, you can find these instructions on the web, you can buy books about how to build them. And it's a very good idea to have one if you don't have any spare microwaves or if you need something bigger. Did you have any other questions? Well, you uh, I know you've
1: written a number of articles about this, uh, b and In fact, uh, I just finished reading two of them that you co-authored with Emil, and I understand you've written a book. Have you written a book on this subject? And where, If so, where can working people get on it? working
2: on one now. We're working on one now. Yeah, I actually have been for quite some time. Right now, I'm also uh, involved um, with helping out on a voluntary basis the EMP task force and Homeland Security. Uh, and it, what's what's not really known is that the states the states have the power if they want to because we're not getting anything through Congress. We're having problems with uh, both FERC and NERC, which are agencies. NERC stands for North American Reliability Corporation, and they make the standards. FERC, which stands for Federal Energy Regulating Commission, is very restrictive in terms of what uh, Congress can mandate of the NERC uh, the, the NERC standards, and this is one of the reasons why it's been so difficult to get anything through Congress to to protect the grid. The actual cost of protecting the grid is almost nothing in the scheme of things. It's between 20 and $30 billion. That sounds like a lot of money, but when you consider what President Obama just submitted for his budget at $1.4 trillion, it's a drop in the bucket, and it is certainly worth the effort of doing it. To be able to protect our grid would be enormously helpful, Um, but states can do it, too. Governors have the power to work with utilities and do their best to protect their states by uh, getting those grids taken care of, and they will not be impacted by a nationwide uh, grid attack. Well,
1: yeah, I understand that Texas is, uh, we have a grid of our own here. I don't know how vulnerable it is, but at least we we do have it. I know some, something that people have been asking me on occasion is, if we have a EMP attack, can we recover from it? Or will it essentially throw us back into the dark ages for uh, not just months, but years, and, and maybe permanently?
2: It could, it, it 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 would run the gamut uh, if we were to have a full grid failure it would it would be uh, more likely years because of trying to replace the transformers as i said we have very few uh, in reserve and those are probably being held for the nine most vulnerable substations uh so getting new ones here from germany and south korea It takes at least a year to 18 months to make one. So you can see what we're up against. And I think people should prepare for the long haul. Uh, Buy seeds. Buy lots of seeds to grow your own gardens. That's critically important. You want to be able to do that. You want to be able to have fencing around it so wildlife can't get in and eat your uh, lettuce and what have you. Also, my wife and I, strongly recommend buying beans at the supermarket, not canned beans, in plastic bags. Uh, they're dried, The kidney beans, all of those kinds of beans can be turned into soup. They're highly nutritious, they have a lot of protein, and are very good for you. Also, oatmeal is very, very good for you, and very filling, uh, as are chia seeds. You may have seen the commercials on TV with the chia pet uh, where people would smear on the seeds and it would grow on the outline of the porcelain. Uh, I eat, on average, two tablespoons of chia seeds a day with oatmeal. And it is so nourishing. What happens those are very small seeds. If you were in a real jam and all you had was Chia seeds, you could eat two tablespoons of those and find yourself well nourished. Uh so we recommend chia seeds. You can buy those um on the web as well. And what I can do is submit uh, a bunch of websites for you. We have so many, I'd be happy to send them to you by email and you might be able to share those um, later. But um we well, I appreciate have so many
1: that, we're, we're gonna have to wrap it up here in a minute and uh... I want to thank you for being on, and believe me, I'm going to have you back on, because I can see that this is going to generate a lot of in- interest around the country. And to the listeners out there, if you go to America's Web Radio, as of tomorrow, this show, as all of them are, will be archived. And you can send a link to the show. It's our, The show's name is Our Constitution. And uh, you can also go to my website at www.michaelconnollyjigsy.com and find the link there, send this out to your friends and neighbors. Have them listen to this show, because this is some of the most important information, and I've been doing this now for four or five years. This is some of the most important information that I have been able to put out. And, James, I want to thank you very much for being on, and I look forward to having you back again, if you you don't mind.
2: Not at all. It has been a real pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much, Michael. Well, take care, James. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Watchdog. Watchdog.